everyone. Welcome back to the CTYA podcast. We are so glad that you joined us here today. Sit back, relax, get out your favorite pencil, your favorite notebook. May you be blessed in the Lord. other leaders we're you know you can't do this on your own you got to you got to have a good team and good leadership we're grateful we are grateful so as we go into Luke chapter 5 uh, I'd like to start us off with this simple question and uh, brother Zach we'll start off with you I'm just kidding but just in general uh, if if Jesus were to come into the room and hand you a wad of cash Let's just say, let's just say, like, I mean, I receive it. Amen, right? So, uh, if he came in and said, you know, gave you, let, let's just round it off at a million. Just maybe a million would be kind of nice. But then he says, okay, actually, I want you to leave that and quit your job and follow me. So, so what, what would we do in a circumstance like that? I mean, it's, it's easy to, to maybe think about, like, well, brothers, that would never happen. Well, are we so sure? So what would we do, maybe we can just apply it to our own lives to say, if Jesus came in and, uh, and gave us an opportunity for something that we loved and maybe, maybe cherished very deeply, but then said, okay, now I want you to leave this and leave everything else. So what would we do in that moment? Well, Luke chapter 5, we are introduced to a couple, well, one very famous story. So let's begin in verse 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he being Jesus, stood by the lake, the lake, excuse me, of Genesaret, or that is the Sea of Galilee and other Gospels. And Jesus saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, or the Simon Peter. And Jesus prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And Jesus sat down and taught the people out of the ship. So if we are familiar with this passage, we know what's about to happen. We know that the disciples are about to catch a lot of fish. And I would like to speak today, Brother Samuel, on this thought. What about the fish? What about the fish? So the context, if we can move in to our study here, the context is we just got done a couple weeks ago looking at, well, actually it was probably a long time ago, Luke chapter 3, how Jesus was baptized, called into the ministry, empowered for his ministry. Luke chapter 4, Jesus is in the wilderness. He is tempted of the devil. If you truly are the Son of God, Jesus, then show us your anointing if you truly are the Son of God. But then it says that the devil left Jesus, and it's very interesting to me, it says for a season. You know, sometimes we maybe can think that Jesus was tempted just in the wilderness and then it was over, right? But actually, Jesus' whole life, he had to make decisions to do what was right and, and live in this righteous walk and to be in covenant with God. So uh, the, through these temptings, they continued, and Jesus was showing himself to truly be the righteous servant, the man in covenant. In 4.14 it says Jesus returned, as Brother Kilman spoke so well last week, that Jesus returned in what? The power of the Spirit. 
So this is where we came into our story about Jesus stepping into that synagogue and saying, the age of the Messiah is right now. This new life, Sister Hannah, this new time is coming. This, this new life, this new salvation, that my mission is to bring liberty and set the captive free. And his mission is to build God's kingdom while tearing down the devil's kingdom at the same time. Jesus steps out of the wilderness showing himself to be this faithful Israelite unlike unfaithful Israel in the wilderness. Now Jesus can walk into these different cities and these different moments and he can show people what it's like to truly be a human. To be what a human was intended to be. So now we start in Luke chapter 5. He's beginning to teach about God's kingdom and chapter 4 ended, he said, I must preach the kingdom of God to all cities. To not just this little area, but all of, all of this region, all of these cities must hear about God's word. So here he is on the Sea of Galilee. Now something that stood out to me, Brother Justin, is that Jesus already knew Simon Peter before this event. And uh, that just kind of hit me. Uh, well, why is that? Because the previous chapter, Sister Jalet, Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. So he's, Jesus is not choosing some random disciple. From another gospel, we know that this uh, 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 disciple with this great name, Andrew, came and his, his brother was, was Peter and he introduced Peter to Jesus. So apparently, Peter knows who Jesus is, but he's not chosen to follow Jesus quite yet. So Jesus is, uh, is preaching, teaching, and verse 2 says that he sees these fishermen, and what are they doing? They're tending to their nets. Now, because, you know, if, if, you're, a, if you're a fisherman, sometimes you catch more than fish, and sometimes those things you do not want to catch at all. Are there any fishermen in the house? So, have you caught some things? Have you been snagged on some things that you just weren't very happy about? It wasn't the fish that you hoped it would be? Well, so these fishermen are tending to their nets. They're cleaning them out. Now, you never know, and uh, Pastor preached on this passage a couple Sundays ago, and he said, you know, you'll never, you'll never know when you're just on the daily job and Jesus might just try to use you or Jesus might try to step into a situation just in that daily circumstance. But Jesus is going to push out from the, from the land and he's going to teach the people. The circumstance is really neat because it's kind of like a natural amphitheater. As Jesus is out in the boat, as he's teaching, his voice is able to carry across the water to those that are on the land so everyone can hear him just a little bit better. We could talk about the hunger that people had for the word of God, how they pressed in upon him. But Luke 4, or excuse me, verse 4 of this chapter, it says, Now when Jesus had left speaking, when he was done, he turned unto Simon and he said, Launch out into the deep and let down your, does anybody see that word there? Let down your what? Your nets, plural. That's plural, Brother Kilman. You pointed this out. A little while ago let down your nets even though this is uh, brother Ethan the wrong time of day the wrong time of day and and here we have uh, Simon Peter answering and saying to him master we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing this is who we would call Peter the expert we would call this Peter I know more than you Jesus because you are a carpenter, and I am the expert fisherman. Now Jesus, now this is maybe a little bit of interpretation, 
But maybe we could look at this and just maybe see this, uh, this fisherman saying, now you're just a carpenter. We want to save you from embarrassment because God forbid God tell us how to live our life <laughs> and you know, maybe what to do in a daily circumstance. So Jesus, you just, you know, we got all these people here. You don't want to be embarrassed in front of them. So, you know, we will let down all the nets that we have. Oh no, that's not what it says. At thy word, I will let down the net. One. <laughs> Singular. We'll let one net down, Jesus, because, you know, we're the experts here. What does verse 6 say? And when they had done this, they enclosed a small multitude of fishes. Oh, no, no, no. Man, I'm misreading a lot. It says great multitude of fishes, and they're what broke. Their one net that they let down, it started to break. And they, these fishermen, beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, and they should, that they should come and help. And those other fishermen, they came and, both, uh, and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. Now the beautiful thing, Brother Denny, is that obedience can bring results. When you obey, and when you are following after Jesus' commands, obedience will bring, Brother Ross, results. The only maybe issue that we could say about this, maybe it would have been really great, Sister Ariel, if they would have fully obeyed. Maybe if they would have uh, let down more than just the one net, like Jesus said, cast your nets out, and they cast out one. You know, because maybe Jesus just knows a little bit better than we do. But sometimes we think, well... I'm the expert. Surely he didn't mean both nets or three nets or four. You know, maybe, maybe one is just sufficient to get by. But who knows on a normal day at work or just on an everyday task, who knows when Jesus can turn that moment into a moment to glorify the Lord. We don't know what can be used from just the day to day. Because you know what? I, I tend to think, Brother Cole, that Jesus just worked in a day-to-day -day scenario. He's just teaching. He's just talking about God's kingdom and then all these things start happening. It's not like he just came out one day and said, okay, everybody, I'm going to feed all of these 5,000 men plus women and children, so come on out and see it. No. All of the, he didn't say, okay, disciples, you go out there and then I'm going to walk on the water and blow everybody's minds. It was a day-to-day -day faithful lifestyle that when a need or a situation arose, Jesus was able to step into it and say, this is God's power. This is the anointing. We're not doing, we don't have these like little highlight things. You know, we're not trying to draw a crowd that way. We're just trying to show what being faithful looks like. So obedience in the day today, you don't know how God can use that to glorify his work. And, and as I'm reading through this, it just stuck out to me so much that when Jesus does a work, even when we've tried it, Sister Sarah, over and over and over, even when we have done the thing and we say, God, I've already done this. I've already tried it, Brother Hussey. I've done it here and here and here. I just did it last night. And Jesus says, just do it again. Because when it's Jesus' timing, He will bring about that perfect work. He will bring about something that you and I cannot bring about on our own, even though we've tried it over and over. I mean, can we be honest? I'll be the first one. I've tried to force some things to happen, and it didn't work. But when Jesus said, okay, now is the right timing, 
That's the right timing. Amen. Verse 8 says, When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished. Astonished. And all that were with him at the draught of fishes which they had taken. <clears throat> Have you ever been in God's presence and you just knew you were unholy? Because the old preacher, the old Bishop Ryle from England in the 1800s said, when, when an unholy person draws to a holy God, we start to recognize just how unholy we truly are. And that statement from Isaiah rings in my ears when he says, woe is me, for I am unclean. I am undone. Because we as, a, as an unholy people, when we are in the presence of the holy, we know it. But, you know, maybe, just maybe here, Jesus knows better than Peter the expert. And he's going he's gonna to tell Peter not to fear here. Let's look at verse 10. And so also was James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, this is Simon Peter, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt what? Catch men. And verse 11 says, And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all. Somebody say, forsook all. These disciples left everything they had, and they followed him. So what about the fish? What about the fish? Why did Jesus even do this miracle in the first place? Now, maybe I'm just dumb, which is very possible, but I just have, like this miracle for a long time, I just never really thought about it. And even when I did, Sister Jessica, I was just like, this is just kind of a random miracle to me. Like, I can understand the walking on the water. I can understand the feeding of all the multitudes and all that kind of stuff. But why the fish? Well, they're fishermen. Yeah, but like, why does that matter? Was he just showing that he had power over nature? And, and you know, is that, is that it? Because it, it definitely was not so that they would believe in him right away. Because what do we know? It took the disciples many different circumstances for them to truly come to their belief. I mean, even after he resurrected, they're still like, mm, okay, so what's going on? You know, like, so are you going to come in and drive the Romans back? And he's like, I'm resurrected and you still don't get it. You need to wait in, wait in Jerusalem until power come from on high. So we know that this isn't a circumstance where it's like immediately they're like, you know, the heavens opened. It wasn't like that. So why is this miracle such a big deal? Well, I don't know if this is like the exact answer, but this is something as I was praying about this lesson, Brother Marco, and really trying to think about what about the fish? This is really what started coming to my mind is that if Jesus is going to lead you he will also provide for you. Because it, he tells them, fear not, you're fishermen right now, but henceforth you shall catch men. There's a higher purpose. There's a higher calling. In fact, you can participate in building this kingdom. There's something higher for you. And, and what I believe this is showing is that Jesus is telling Peter and the others, he's telling them something like this. Okay, I'm going to ask you to do something and you're going to have to leave everything. But it's okay. Because if I'm leading you, I'm going to provide everything. All these fish, I mean, this is very successful in your mind. You just caught all of these fish, but you can leave it. 
because I'm going to do something better. I'm going to do something greater. Because if I'm leading you, I'm also going to provide for you. I'm not going to leave you in the wilderness. When we follow after the Spirit, He also takes care of us physically. Have we read about the manna from heaven? Have we read about the quail that God sends in? Have we read about the water that comes from the rock? Have we read about these circumstances where God says, I'm going to take you out of this place and bring you into this place, but don't worry, you're not going to get there on your own because I'm going to lead you every step of the way. In fact, the way that I lead you is, is going to mold you to be what I want you to be. Brother Kilman, you've spoken about how God did not lead them through the way of the Philistines, but God took them the longer route because there was some shaping of the heart that needed to take place. So when God leads us, He's going to provide and He's going to mold us to be what we're supposed to be because shortcuts don't always work and shortcuts don't always get us there quicker. Shortcuts shortcut the process. So what do the fish tell us? I'm not wanting to get too allegorical here, but maybe we could see the fish as representing success to the disciples. As this is their livelihood and, and, and they're catching all this fish, they could go and sell all that fish, they could go and, and eat that fish, whatever it is, whatever they could do to, to gain financial success from those elements. Sometimes I worry that we get so wrapped up in what we don't have in this age group, you know, maybe we don't have the perfect family or the perfect job or the car or the home. And Jesus is just thinking, you know, I can provide so easily for you. I can, I can give you this net full, so to speak. But we're just getting so wrapped up. Maybe on, on the other side of the issue, we could say, but Jesus gave me all of these fish. Maybe we've already received some type of blessing from the Lord in, in some kind of success. But, you know, Jesus gave us these fish. Why would He tell us to now drop it and follow Him with everything? Maybe then, Brother Caleb, we're getting too focused on the fish and losing sight of the mission. Whatever way it is, when Jesus leads us, the physical and the temporal, that should not worry us. Because this temporal success pales in the comparison to what we have through the eternal work of the kingdom. You can keep being a fisherman if you want, but I have something called being a fisher of men that is going to have an everlasting, eternal impact, not just on your life, but upon all of the people that hear you. Because God's Word is powerful. God's kingdom is powerful. Amen. You can go back to your boats if you want to. So what if Jesus <clears throat> gave you what you dreamed of? What you hoped for? But then He just says, let it be. Let it go. Leave it be. Because a greater work, this greater work, it's not going to reflect our, our prowess, our expertise, our intelligence. But this greater work that I believe Jesus is calling all of us to is going to reflect our Father in heaven. This is a greater purpose of life. This is more meaning in our life. And this is what's going to last beyond the grave. And in Luke 5.11, to read it again, it says, When they brought their ships to land, they forsook all 
and they followed him. They left their ships, they left their nets, they left their livelihood because of a higher calling. Because if he calls us and he leads us, he will provide for us. And later on, we meet this guy named Levi. We know him better as Matthew. Well, so he's in a different walk of life. So does does Brother Joel, can he just do what he wants to do? No, because when Jesus calls us, what does it say about Matthew in verse 28? It says, he left all, rose up, and followed Jesus. Because no matter what walk of life we're in, whether we're over here, or whether we're over there, or whether we're from this state, or that state, or we have this job, or that job, a calling from Jesus requires us to leave some things behind. And it doesn't matter what our last name is, who we are, how long we've been in the church. You know, Matthew was a tax collector. What does that mean? Now, nobody really likes tax collectors even today. <laughs> but, well, <laughs> but we know that in this day and age when the Romans are controlling Judea, if you are a Jew working for the Romans, you are a traitor. And if we were to go through, I believe it's chapter 6, where it starts listing, Brother Chris, all the names of the, of the disciples, we come across this other Simon, but it's not Simon Peter, it's Simon the Zealot. Zealots were the guerrilla warriors of the Jews that hated the Romans despicably. So how did that conversation go? Simon, meet Matthew. Wait a second. Wait a second. But here's the deal. These major differences between these disciples, it doesn't matter in all walks of life, all walks of life, Jesus still commands the same thing. Pick up your cross and follow me. Pick up your cross and follow me. This is a call to give things up. And what's fascinating, I was, I was teaching my eighth graders, and we get to Matthew 16. And Sister Kilman, it says, you know, Jesus, Jesus asked them, Who do men say that I am? And they start listing off all these things. And then Peter, we've just met, Peter gets up and says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. In other words, you are this messianic, this kingly figure, Brother Joel, that's being sent of God, anointed of God, and you are going to create God's kingdom here on earth. And what does Jesus say? <clears throat> Flesh and blood have not revealed this to you. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. We know that famous passage. But what comes after that? Jesus starts to explain, yes, I am going to be the king, but how? I'm going to die first. I'm going to die first. Because if we want to have a crown, Jesus says, you have to become a servant first. And it just hit me as I'm teaching this, and, and maybe it was just the right moment. God, help me understand this a little bit more. Because it's in this passage, Brother Ross, that Jesus says, if you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life, if you become a servant first, then you're going to gain life. Because, why was Jesus saying this, Brother Jordan? Because I think he was, he was showing the disciples, yes, I will be a king, but this is how it's going to happen. I, yes, I am going to bring about God's kingdom, but how is he going to do it? Through first becoming a servant. Because not only, Jesus, Brother Ronnie, Jesus did not just tell the disciples, okay, leave everything behind, follow me, do what I say. But Jesus exemplified that his whole life. 
He's showing everybody what it's like to be a true human, the way that God intended us to live. And when Jesus was in that wilderness, he did not fall to temptation. But there's another time in a garden when he said, not my will, but your will be done. And he was showing the disciples, you and myself and everybody that reads this great book, that if you want to have a crown of glory, first you better be listening for those words that say, well done, my good and faithful servant. So I believe this is a call to servanthood. No matter what, what walk of life we're in, no matter if you feel called to preach, be a Sunday, all of these things, being a Sunday school teacher, singing, playing, whatever it is, we need to serve the kingdom. And I will just tell you, I don't think that we will reach satisfaction in this life until we get to that place. I've maybe shared this before, I can't remember. I apologize if I have. But my old pastor in Minnesota, his son... His oldest son just turned 50 a few years ago, backslidden. But he said just recently that, you know, I felt the call of God to preach when I was 15. And I, I have, I mean, I'm 30, and he's, uh, he's been out of church for as long as I can remember. And this is what he said, I was called to preach when I was 15, and I still have that call. Even being backslidden, he can still feel that, that call of God and that, that, that pulling at his heart to do what God is calling him to do, but he's running. He's running from it. Because I, I don't think you can, I don't think if you feel that, that eternal longing, you're not going to get away from it. A commentary I, I read once said that God has created eternity in our hearts. It's not in my notes, Brother Root, but you know, January 30th, I forget her, forget her name now, but Miss uh, USA 2019, she was a, a lawyer, brilliant. She was on uh, TV shows, uh, or at least in, in news, the news uh, arena. She took her own life. Because the success of this world is not going to satisfy us. And you got to do what God's calling you to do. I'm not saying everybody in here needs to get up and stand behind a pulpit, but our lives should preach something. Thankfully, those, that story does not have to be for everybody. I'm going to wrap up here, Brother Cole. <clears throat> Sitting down with a, a, an, a couple here just recently, <clears throat> hearing their story, and I asked them, can I share this sometime? They said, absolutely. <clears throat> well, the husband, growing up in an apostolic church, I believe he was a freshman when he walked away from God because he thought religion was a crutch. Moves away, gets married. They're living in Arizona. They both have their dream jobs, right? But his words, he said, but we came to realize the dead end of our professional careers. <clears throat> that the meaning and hope in these careers was not something that was fulfilling their lives. And he said, if there's something more, we'd better figure out what it is. They became unhappy and un unfulfilled. They began soul searching. He said, I was making really good progress in my newspaper job. But he said, I tried the world and it just didn't satisfy 
So they slowly started making their way to a Pentecostal church. And to fast forward a little bit, they both received the Holy Ghost over a period of time. But they started to feel a pull to something more, Brother Chase. And he was working nights. She was there on a Wednesday night. And this missionary came. And she was so moved by it, that night she said, you should have been there. And starts explaining, he's like, man, so later on his job switched. He was able to be there for the next missionary. And he said, after that, I was never able to go through a mission service without weeping. Just feeling that tug of God on their hearts. He said, I started to feel God's call to preach and, and God's call to missions and he said, you know, God doesn't give me a lot of dreams or anything like that. But he said, I had, I had this one dream. He said, I was driving in Arizona and it was raining. And I, I was coming to, up to this curve. And somebody was in the back seat. And he said it wasn't like a, a, host, a hostile thing or anything. But this person just behind the seat just began to cover my eyes. As I'm trying to make this turn and it's raining, visibility's bad. And he's trying to get to see, he's trying to get to see. And he said, I finally just took my hands off the wheel. And he said, as soon as I did that, I arrived at my destination. Well, he didn't really know what it had meant. You know, he's not, he's not a preacher. He's not, you know, he's just trying to live for God. In it. Well, shortly after that, an evangelist had come by and there was a time of prayer. And, and I think uh, how, it, how this went is the man told the evangelist, well, yeah, this is this dream I had. And, and the evangelist looked at him and said, oh, so God's really been tugging at your heart, hasn't he? He's like, well... Yeah, I guess so. He's like, but I, d I don't really know what it means. He says, you, it means you have to let go of the wheel and let God take control. And he's like, well, that was so obvious I should have realized it, but he didn't. <clears throat> so time went on and they talked to their pastor. This was after their fifth year of helping out the church a little bit, if I remember right. And they go and talk to the pastor and and uh, they said, you know, I, I feel like God is calling us to be preachers and <clears throat> even missionaries. And the pastor said, so now you're finally recognizing it. They stayed working at the church for a little bit. And he said, <clears throat> there's this one service, powerful move of God and tongues and interpretation. And, and he felt God press this on him. He says, I've called you, but I've not sent you yet. He says, you will know when I've called you to the place that I have prepared for you. Now this couple, I didn't tell them, I mean I asked their permission to share this, but I didn't tell them that, oh my word, this is like they're reading my sermon. My message today. He's still at the newspaper. <clears throat> what happens? He gets called in by his boss. And Sister Destiny, the boss said, okay, we're going to open up a branch just south of here. Super beautiful area, just fantastic. And guess what? You can oversee this branch and you can write on anything you want. Now, Brother Ross, as a writer, is that like a pretty good deal? <laughs> Whatever you want. And I kid you not, his words, I realized that this was not a temptation from the devil, but this was a trial from God. What would I value? So what about the fish? What about the fish? 
talk to the pastor. Eventually, they're going to go to Bible college. And I need to speed this up a little bit here. They were supposed to receive some financial blessings and that just totally fell through. And two weeks later, this man got a letter from Elder Brother Bernard asking them to come to South Korea. And then over time, they began to hear rumblings about the USSR and how it's going to fall. So what did he do? He starts to learn Russian. They have a tutor. They're intensively learning this language so that when Russia opens up, there's a missionary all ready to go. And he told me, he said, Andrew, giving your life totally, that's just what I've learned my whole life. He says, there's no halfway. If you have a call, you have to be totally committed. He said, you have to deny yourself. But he said, that's a joyous decision. Because we have no regrets on how we've lived our life. And that couple, brother and sister Kilman, affectionately call Uncle Bill and Elizabeth Turner. The people that are here at this church working at IBC. Over our baptismal team here. Because when you just follow God's will, and you just say yes to the call, and you're a servant... If He's leading you, He's going to provide for you. <clears throat> so, what today, what about your fish? What, what is it that, that it's okay, maybe there's sin and, and we need to deal with that. But what if there's just a trial from God seeing, asking, what do you value? What do you value? So maybe just while we're at this place in our seats, if we can maybe just bow our heads, and if we can just ask God, what should I value? Show me what to value. Show me, Lord, the direction I need to take. If You have a calling for me, then I want to go. If we can just talk to the Lord just for a few minutes, what, God, do I need to forsake? What are you calling me to leave behind? Because I believe that Jesus can present some things to us and it, it will be okay. I mean, He gave it to us, right? Maybe. But there's something eternal. There's something with value. There's something that we can grasp. There's something that we don't have to regret if we follow that direction. If He's asking you to put more than one net down, then you don't have to be afraid to do it. Don't let your intellect get in the way. Don't overthink something. Don't, don't let your emotions get in the way. If you need to repent like Peter did, then that's okay. But let's acknowledge His guiding. Let's acknowledge His leadership. Let's be a servant. Maybe if we can just raise our hands and surrender a little bit. Jesus, I surrender to You, Lord. God, I recommit my life. I want to be a servant to Your kingdom. I want to be a slave to Your kingdom, Lord. Paul said these bonds 
Oh, Lord, direct us every step of the way. Oh, God, if you want us to leave some things behind, just call us. Just call us, Lord.